0: Welcome to the Battlefield Show, I am Scott Gibson, your Commander-in-Chief, guiding you through the battlefield of life. You know what you're here for, no more messing about, stick the tape in, hit the track, onwards! Episode 14 one four, 2020 Still in January When will this fucking month end? Hello dear listeners How are you rascals? Good to be back I'm at home Thank fuck for that Five days on the bloody road um, I have returned to the bay window I am sitting out Looking upon the, uh, the misery that was Storm Brendan it's a grey and drake. There's a fucking good Scottish word. Drake. When it's weather like this, it reminds me of Glasgow. That grey sky that only really exists in Glasgow. Any day of the year, any fucking type of weather, Glasgow will have a delightful grey sky. To keep your depression at an optimum level, you know. You don't want to be too happy or sad as a West Coaster. So you have that constant, grey, bleak film that covers your entire existence. Anyway, we're back, man. We're back. Um, how the fuck have you been? Have you been good? It's been a week since we spoke, man. Hope you've been well. Thanks to everyone who's listened. Thanks to everyone who's gotten in touch, man. I've got some good questions for this episode. We'll get into that in a minute, right? Fucking hodge your horses. We've got a wee bit of housekeeping to do first. Let's get it out of the way, right? Let's get... Let's get the business side out of the way, you know. Let's put the money in the bedside cabinet. Let's let's get all that dealt with first, and then let's get down to fucking business. We kick off the tour, White Noise Tour, starting up again, 2020. Kicks off January 25th, East Cobridge Art Center. Fucking amazing venue, man. Beautiful little art center. Was a wonderful gig last time. If any of you came out. To East Cobride Arts Centre last time, you'll know that is the infamous gig where the tour manager for the first time decided to fucking come on stage beside me and we couldn't get the bastard back off again. So, January 25th, East Cobride Arts Centre, February 7th, um, Barfield's Theatre in Largs, and February 23rd, Webster's Theatre in Arbroath. Two beautiful gigs as well. If you are in or near any of those venues, come along. The rest of the venues uh, and the rest of the dates, sorry, are all on the website, and that is where you go to get your tickets or contact the venues directly. January 25th, East Kilbride Arts Centre, February 7th, Barfield Theatre in Largs, February 23rd, Webster Theatre in Broth. Scottgibsoncom.co.uk. Get your fucking tickets, and I will see you in the battlefield. Now, if you've been to see the White Noise show um, before, fucking come back, man. Come back and enjoy it again, right? It's, I'm, I'm that good the storytelling is that fucking good, it's worth seeing again, but if you have got any friends or family who have not been along, send them my way, and if you've got any mates who is feeling a wee bit down or a wee bit shitty, fucking send them along, right, the show is about mental health, but believe me, it's funny man, alright, so there you go, January 25th, East Goldbride, February 7th, Largs, February 23rd, Broth. I will see you there. Now let's get into the meat man, um, yeah, I was away for five days last week, long fucking time. A long fucking time. Um, I I hate being away from home now. You know I I like gigging, and I like oddly when I'm touring, it feels different because I think if a my my mates right used to joke about you only work for 20 minutes a week. (laughs) No. I don't particularly, I, I don't mind club comedy, right, I, it's a good laugh, I don't mind it, I prefer to MC uh, or host club gigs, but if I need to do a set, I'll do a set, and believe me, I'll fucking smash it, but it's a long way to drive sometimes, you know, a lot of the work still is in England, and uh, Wales, so you're maybe driving four, five, six, seven, sometimes eight hours to get to a gig and you're doing 20 minutes, you know, and now, I don't know if it's because I'm, I've been doing this a few years now, a While it's, I enjoy the long form stuff, I enjoy doing the tour shows, I enjoy doing an hour plus, I enjoy it, I feel as if that's when I'm at my best, when I've got time to kind of settle in and, and stretch a show out, that's why I find writing fringe shows or tour shows so easy, because I find writing in that long form, uh, much easier than writing kind of short 5, 10, 15, 20-minute bits. So, so it feels like a long time about if you're home when you're driving and, uh, you know, you're staying over, then you're, you're heading out to the next spot, and you're, you're maybe in a, a town for two nights because you're doing a weekend somewhere, and it, it can be a long day to build up just for, for 20 minutes, you know. So maybe that's why it's a bit more tiring or a bit more... Uh, kind of gets you down rather than being on, on tour because you'll maybe get a venue earlier and you can kind of get set up and then you know it's your night and i don't know man but it, it also it's a situation now where i've never really been happy before i've never been happy with my home life for a very very long time so to be away from you know to be away for the missus now for five days it's too long man i don't want to be away for for that length of time i don't want to for the for the wee man for the tour manager you know, you want to be at home, um, so it's, it's a balance, it's a balance to get right, but it was an odd, it was an odd couple of days, Harrogate and York, uh, York I've played to before, Harrogate first time there, very posh man, very posh, but posh in the sense of, I always find that, because some people may think my comedy is a bit harsh, or maybe a bit sweary, or a bit dark, i always find it real posh people right like upper class they love it man because they're as fucked up as us you know that's that's the odd thing about the class system for for little what, what does still exist the very top and the very bottom have always got on you know in my opinion anyway they've always mixed working class and and upper class i think i've always mixed because the lower class, the working class, right, the bottom of the ladder, us, people listening to me speak now, we don't give a fuck, you know? We just want to have money in our pocket for a drink, be happy, live a good life. We don't really give a fuck. We we don't really care about hierarchy, power, structure. We're not really interested in that. And the, the upper classes tend to be people who are maybe born into a lifestyle, you know? And they just want someone to have a laugh with and fuck about with. And then it's that kind of bunch in the middle, the fucking, the, the cunt level, who maybe come into money, you know, or, or or feel as if they'll never be truly accepted at the top level. And wh- whenever I find it, if you go to a place that's that th- considers themselves posh, in the sense that everybody's got a bit of money and everybody's got an opinion and everybody thinks they're fancy, you know, they're the ones who are very reluctant to let themselves go in a sense and I don't know if it's because they're they're afraid to be themselves I don't know if it's the whole keeping up with the Joneses bullshit where they try and put on this false act but the, the gig that I did in Harrogate on the Wednesday it was a fucking hard one man the guy who was on before me was quite a soft guy um, so I sat and watched the set and I thought it's an odd one to, to be doing comedy for as long as I've done it and to have done as many different Shows and rooms, venues, audiences. You still question yourself. You still get nervous, you know? You still get in your own head. And I can remember sitting at the back watching it thinking, they're, they're going to fucking hate this. They're going to fucking hate it. And, and I thought about doing different things. I was going through my phone to find old notes. And then, of course, I've got a new phone, so I don't have my old fucking notes in it. And then at the end of it, I thought, you know what the fuck it, They're getting what they get, man. We will... We'll, we'll, dilute it slightly but they're getting what everybody else gets and it went okay i'll say that it went okay but it was a it was more of a struggle than it normally is in the sense that you had to kind of, it felt as if you were leading them by the hand and saying it's going to be okay i had to keep emphasizing you know it's just words uh, we're here for a laugh, and then it's real, but all that kind of bullshit, you know. When you get people who are a bit, oh my god, York was nice, York was a lovely gig. Um, again, more normal people, a good mix of normal people, and then Northampton the weekend, um, Friday and Saturday. Northampton Glee, uh, I love it, man. Staff are incredible, which makes a big difference for you when you're there for the full weekend. But I've said it since day one, and I'll say it to the day I die. That bit of England like Northampton and Derby on that that is England's shame <laughs> you I don't know what happened to the education board around that part of England I don't even know if they've got an education board I don't even know if the people go to school I'm going to be honest with you I imagine that the education system in Northampton is children watching reruns of Love Island and X in the Beach, that's what I imagine the education system is occasionally they'll break for a bit of colouring in and then maybe they work out how to weigh grams. I don't know. But my god. Those people are thick as shit. Lovely people, man. Like. It's never a bad gig and not, that's the thing, man, you know, because sometimes you go to you go to places like I hate Liverpool. I hate gigging in Liverpool. Um it's been years since I've gigged there. I probably will never gig in Liverpool ever again, I have no intentions, want or desire to gig there, I don't enjoy it, I don't think the people have a sense of humour, they just want their own kind, that's fine, I don't need to go there, but Northampton, whenever I gig, it's it's a nice gig, it's enjoyable, it's easy, but it's never, you never feel fulfilled by it, you never come off stage not to me and go, fucking hell, you know, I, I'm now the mayor of Nottingham. You always come off and think, I don't know if they understood any of the words I was saying. <laughs> I get heckled on Saturday night, and it was a man, a husband and wife, and this was the three heckles that they gave me. Now, uh, there's there's no context for any of these uh, heckles, right, because none of them made sense whatsoever, But and it wasn't a heckle like a, a full set; It was three words. Right, well, four words, two words in a name. This is the heckles, right? I was the first bit was talking about being born in the eighties and how raising children was different, and he heckled me with Israel. That's it. <laughs> Israel. What? <laughs> never followed up with anything, but never, never like try to conceal himself as if, oh, I've just said something daft. He just went Israel. And I went, did you see Israel? Ah, Israel! And then... Nothing. Carried on. Uh, His wife, about three or four minutes later, shouted Barnsley. Now, I don't know if they're going through possible holiday destinations, (laughs) Israel and Barnsley, right? Maybe Barnsley is the Israel of England. I don't know, right? I haven't spent enough time in Barnsley to fully be able to give you feedback on that. She just shouted at Barnsley. For no reason. And then last, but no means least towards the end maybe three minutes for the end and I get pissed off I, I went after I went after the pair of them after Barnsley because they annoyed me then um, but they were just fucking they were just so drunk man they were gone right they couldn't even some of the stuff we same. saying was pretty brutal and they were just laughing away because they had no idea what was going on at this point and then but three minutes for the end uh, I get heckled kind of on build up so I had to just stop and change out another story which fucking really pissed me off but he just shouted Jeremy Beadle." <laughs> the guy just shouted, Jeremy Beadle." and I mean, Jeremy Beadle, Jeremy Beadle. this is the thing about getting heckled man I don't mind it what happens a lot when you get heckled is it's not a real heckle it's like um, somebody's just so involved in the night or so invested in it that they don't actually understand what's going on they don't actually understand there's people around them you know they just think it's you and them and they say something and then sometimes they get embarrassed by it. And I think it's very important for an act to be able to distinguish between the two. There's nothing worse when somebody heckles from like a place of love and then an inexperienced comic goes after them and tries to destroy them. That's horrendous to watch, man, because it turns the audience against them. The other side of that is the worst one is when you get heckled and you then go to engage them and they just shut down because they're a shite bag. You know, that's when you've got a real choice to make. And, you, and your choice is... Do I have enough control of the room to move on? And if you're confident that the room is with you, then you can just move on and ignore it. But there comes a time when you just have to fucking look at the watch, see how long is left, and then just go after that person for however long is left of that set. And sometimes you just got to do it, man. And I I wanted to go after this guy. I was fucking... I really wanted to go after him. But he was just so gone. He He wasn't understanding anything. Wrapped up with a wee story and managed to, to move out again. Enjoy enjoyable gigs, like nice gigs, but just some of the people you meet, man. And also, here's a wee tip for any audience girls, right? See if you're going out as a group of lads or a group of girls, right? it's Two thousand twenty now, sex is fucking fluid, gender even, sex isn't fluid. Well, I suppose sex is fluid, but see if you're going to go and do coke in the toilet, right? Nah, I'm not going to fucking tell you not to do coke. Okay? Or any drugs for that matter. But what I'm saying is... Cocaine. Okay? Okay. Cocaine. Okay? Colombian marching powder. Right? El Salvador's finest. Is not a drug to take during a comedy show. Alright? And then... If you do want to take El Coco... Don't all fucking walk in the gallery, Right? Don't six guys walk fucking two by two like it's noah's ark into a toilet to fucking blow 80 quid up your sniffer. don't do it because you're gonna get chucked out okay 30 seconds boys to a minute if you're all pals nobody's gonna fucking bump each other right nobody's gonna take a big fat line you're all gonna get in there and do a wee key each right calm down okay because it's very obvious if you are sitting watching someone on stage Especially if there's a bouncer there and then six guys all go and walk into the fucking toilet together. There's my wee tip for any audience course. Just space out your bumps. <laughs> space out your bumps. Space out your bumps. That's that could be the title of this episode. Episode 14, Space Out Your Bumps. But yes, next nice weekend. Um good to be home no man. Fucking good to be home. Did a gig in Glasgow on Sunday afternoon for Gary Little for Nina the Whippet. Gary's dog, Nina, got knocked down by a car a few weeks, maybe months ago now. And as always, with vets because they are fucking scumbags. Uh, the vet fees were well over £4,000. So Gary put together an amazing lineup, man, um, of comics to do a wee charity gig. And it was brilliant. It was nearly 300 people there. Credible turnout, wonderful gig. Uh, myself hosting Des McLean. Phil Differ, who I've not seen in years, man, and Phil Differ's fucking unbelievable, man, just amazing, uh, and then Big Gary closing, so, to everybody who came out, fucking well done, thanks for supporting an amazing cause, um, and to everybody who was there, who's bought tickets to see me in March for the new show, uh, thanks for doing that as well, well done for you, so, aye, uh, good good couple of days, good to be home, man, nice to be back, um, but the weather is fucking grim, innit? The fucking bull, Brendan. It's a grim one. i tell you what else is grim while we're on this. Fucking Dracula. Now, I don't know if you have watched Dracula on the BBC. Um, should you watch? You should watch it because need, everybody needs to see this and for the wrong reasons. My wee ma, wee Margaret, had... I think she was the first one that said to ask me if I... would Now, I hate scary things, right? I'm getting a bit better as I got older. But certainly when I was young, hated scary movies. Or anything scary for that matter. I don't mind a good thriller. I don't, I don't mind a good thriller. I sound like you're fucking great. <laughs> I don't mind a good thriller, son, you know? Something that makes you think about it. I don't mind violence. Or horror. If it is relevant to the story right, I don't mind people getting cut up, or fucking scary stuff happening, if it is part of the story, I don't like things just jumping out you, or fucked up stuff for no reason, right, that's, it annoys me, so, my wee maw asked me if I'd watch my wee maw, my wee me? my wee maw, my wee mother had asked me if I'd watch Dracula, I think I'm losing my mind, man, I think I'm losing my fucking mind. My mother had asked if I watched Dracula. And I said, no, no. I thought she was talking about some like old rerun, right, or something that had been on. So apparently the BBC had made a new programme called For Dracula, right, Count Dracula. And it's three episodes, right? The classic BBC format, three episodes. And so the other night, um, Sunday night, we got home, we went out for dinner, and when I got back, a really nice tapas place in Edinburgh, La Casa. Used to be a tapas place a few years ago, I think it was still the same name, and it shut down, and it reopened again. And fuck me, it was good, man. Oh my god, it was good. Gambas peel peel? Oh yes, meatballs, come on now. F- fucking, if you're looking for a wee- tapas is one of the things where... You wouldn't you wouldn't necessarily go, Do you know what I could fucking murder a tapas? It's not really a it's not really that like if I'm hungry dinner, you know? It's a it's a civilised maybe a bit of chat, you know, relax, couple of cans, maybe a bottle of wine, you and the wife, right? Chilled. But fuck me, this was good man. This was good. And this is the good thing about having a vegetarian for a partner, right? And see if you order anything, mate. Yes, fuck, I mean that's yours yourself, mate. That's yours, you know. That is yours. And again, see if you go to a tapas place and they say, we well, would suggest yeah, go to a, a three to four dishes each. Order six, man. Right? Order fucking six. Order as much as you want. Just order everything and eat it all. It's dynamite. Anyway, La Casa. So went there for dinner. Came back. I don't know how it came out of my head, but I remembered someone talking about Dracula. And I said to him, I says, Do you want to watch this? And she said, Yes. We stuck it on. And episode one was good. Right? It was good. It was it was good enough to want me to watch more. Now it was good because I think that it was there was some gory bits in it. Some quite kind of horror parts in it. That were, excuse me, real horror and real gore. Now there's a bit in it where, and if you've not seen it, you'll see. I'm no spoil, but he he appears to be someone else, and then rips the man's flesh from his own face. Right, so as if he's wearing him as a mask. And that was good. There was another bit in it when Dracula has gone up the stairs with a baby, and you can hear this baby crying in a kind of carry bag thing, and you you just know he's going to go and fucking drink or drain a baby, right? And even that, you're going, that's pretty dark for the BBC, man, right? And, um, the the other bit with the baby, when it it becomes a vampire, and you see it fucking crawling, man, that was pure fucking train spot and stuff, that was pretty grim. What I'm trying to say is, there was quite a few bits in it where I thought, fucking hell, this is pretty decent for the BBC. That's what I did think, because, If you've ever watched anything in the BBC, in the last 10, 15, maybe even 20 years, right, it is fucking diluted, dulled down pish, right? It is fucking shit. They they just don't want to offend anybody. They don't care about the quality of the content, the quality of the stuff they put out. They don't give a fuck. They just don't want to upset anybody. That's it, just vanilla... Fucking toe the line, bollocks, right? And when I watched this, I did think, "Fucking hell, this is gonna be good. This, this is gonna be good." Like it can only, if this is episode one, it can only go for of here. And then episode two was a pile of shit. It felt like some really fucking cheap Agatha Christie Poirot fucking murder mystery weekend on a boat. It was garbage. In the third episode, I had put a thing out on Twitter last night saying how I just thought it was bollocks and I got about maybe 12 people uh, had messaged me separately to say they never lasted past 15 minutes in the third episode. And I always do this thing where me and the message, if I'm watching something, she'll, she'll look at me and be like, this is shitting and I go, I know it's shit, but I've I invested as much, this much of my time now I need to see this through to the end. And it's one of the worst things I've ever seen. That third episode, it felt as almost as if they had three different writers and someone's written the first episode and somehow... (coughs) Excuse me. Somehow they've managed to get that through commissioning without them realising. And then they filmed the first episode and then somebody's actually read the script and went, oh my God, we can't have this guy writing another two episodes and they've got somebody else in for a second and then they've given a work experience guy the third episode. It lacked everything. It tried to be... a dark comedy without any comedy. It tried to be a horror without any horror. It was the most... stupid... I mean, stupid, nonsensical storyline... that I have i have ever seen or seen for quite some time. And the ending of it is not only utter dog shit but it's just fucking nonsense it's one of those things where you're watching a film or a tv series and it's so shit and and it's a bit where it goes to it goes to end like it feels as if it's ending and in your head you go see if it ends here this is the fucking biggest pile of shit ever and it ends that's how dracula ends we're watching i'm going if this is how this finishes up this is one of the worst things i've ever seen and then it just fucking fade to white and that's it over and you're going what an absolute pile of dog shit I I almost I almost urge you to watch it if you haven't just to see how bad just to see how bad it is it truly is one of the especially the third episode it is one of the 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 most fucked up storylines I've ever seen in my life ever heard in my life ever watched in my life you you really have to question some of the fucking shit that because in the BBC. Now I imagine this is high budget. This is high budget, you know. This is a lot of money being spent in this, and I mean I could give you three or four names myself, of of talented, talented, talented writers that I know, incredibly talented writers, who are original in their thought, extremely creative could challenge any subject thrown at them. Any subject thrown at them. And this is the fucking shite that the BBC put out. It's... It is garbage, man. And it just makes me further think, what the fuck is anybody still paying a licence fee for? We, we look at some of the, the stuff that's came out in, in the news in recent weeks, and I, I apologise, I don't know the woman's name. I believe she may be... A news broadcaster or a journalist, but she certainly works for the BBC and it's a, a the, the pay dispute that's gone on. And there's figures of people being paid that, that she may be offered a rebate of £700,000. And there's people at the BBC apparently who are paid upwards of £2 million to work at the BBC to work at the fucking BBC. And you think of the the shit that comes out of that place on on every front, and there's somebody there earning two million quid a year for your fucking license pay Let's just have a wee look at this actually because I'm sitting here. Um, at the computer. What will we put in? Hi, hi, Ella's list. BBC. Here we go. Right, this is top ten fucking nicky campbell's on that nicky fucking campbell he can't believe his luck. this is the bbc <clears throat> apparently top 10 salary list salary i can't even speak the day right i don't know what has happened to me i cannot fucking talk here is the bbc's um top earners apparently right for 2019 Obviously, fucking bugger-lugs himself, Gary Lineker. Now, here's my thing with Gary Lineker, right? According to this, Gary Lineker gets um, 1.75 million to 1.8 million, right? We all know he's on more than that, so that's pish, right? We know that Gary Lineker's on more than 2 million pounds. Here's my thing with Gary Lineker. See, if you're contracted to the BBC and you're getting paid 1.8 million to present match of the fucking day, you shouldn't be on any other fucking channel shouldn't he be, he appears in BT Sport, he's on every fucking Saudi channel there is, Gary Lineker is never off the fucking telly, yet he's picking up 1.8 million a year from license fee payers for the fucking bollocks he does at the BBC, Graham Norton, over 600,000, Steve Wright in the afternoon, 600,000, Hugh Edwards, the newest fucking guy, 520,000, half a million pound for Hugh Edwards. Nicky Campbell four hundred twenty thousand. Alan Shearer partly four hundred twenty thousand pound to sit as a fucking panelist. Nick Grimshaw, oh my god. Claudia Winkleman, she's worth every penny. Worth every penny. Oh, that is grim. That is grim. It will be. In, it will be interesting to see what happens with the BBC over the kind of coming years. Because I do think that people are kind of sick and tired of the license fee. I really do. I don't think it in any way looks at value for money. I think that there are areas of the BBC where people may enjoy. People might watch the iPlayer. People may watch or listen to the new BBC Sounds app. But I don't think there is enough... um, I personally don't think there's enough good content across the board to, to warrant the, the license fee anymore, and I think that with, stuff like Netflix, Amazon, even Sky, even Sky, even you look at, kind of production places like HBO, some of the quality of drama, that they're able to produce, I personally don't think the license fee, uh, is worth it anymore, for what you get from the BBC, I really don't, Um. Also interesting, I suppose at the same time when we've got the whole shit kicking off with, with the Royals. Um, Harry and Meghan are wanting to go fucking solo. I got a question, actually, from Stephen Harry Wilson, the bold SDH. Um, Stephen got in touch uh, through the post on Instagram and Stephen had asked, is this the end of the Royal family? Um, I don't think it is. I don't think it is by a long shot. If I'm honest, I'm not. I'm not a royalist in the sense that, you know, I think. I think that the the monarchy deserves to be protected or, or deserves to. Be, I just think that we we're in a very unique position in in this country in that we have a we have a monarchy that is ingrained in society if you like that if that's the way to put it and I think that the monarchy certainly will I believe continue to exist in its current form and by that what I mean is once Lizzie goes I think it might be a very different kettle of fish I think the fact that we have certainly all of my lifetime, and I imagine most of the people who are listening to this podcast just now, most of your lifetime, the bold Liz has been our queen and our head of state and our monarch for our entire life. Now, the shower of fucking ass bandits that live and exist beneath her, I think it will be difficult for people to... Adjust to them as our monarchy. I think there's something about the queen, there's something about the way that she conducts herself or or holds herself or, or performs her duties as as the queen that is the status quo, you know, it's understood. She's the queen, she's on the money, there's fucking bold Lizzie, right? Once she's no longer here and fucking bugger lugs Charles is in, if it is indeed to be Charles. And we've now got Charles and Camilla as king and queen. I think that will be a different situation and a completely different setup for people to palate, for people to accept and understand. And and currently with the fucking kick off of Harry and Meghan, I think that there's there's there seems to be a kind of a real a real split a real 50-50 outpouring of either disgust or support for them and I would say it's probably equal 50-50 but I think that there are more of us who don't give a fuck really I think that they want you to believe that everyone has an opinion on them and everyone either supports what they're doing or or is against it and I think the truth in the matter is no one really cares I think the issue of money, security seems to be the big thing because even if they were to become somehow self-sufficient and step away from everything, they cannot deny the security uh, detail that will be enlisted on them and that will run into the millions, I would imagine, even tens of millions every year. If Meghan is intending to go back to work, in the sense that she wants to do acting again in movies then you can only imagine the, the security detail that's going to be required for that, or, or even as to, to what type of work she would be able to do. And, and all I keep thinking is, they must have known, they must have known the situation when they got in there, She must have known that this is what her life would become when she married him. Harry must have known this is what his life would become as he was growing up, as he saw what happened to his mother, as he saw what happened to his father. Well, maybe not his father, but what happened to Charles. There there must have been a, an understanding on both sides as to how this would play out. Now, maybe the done thing would have been if, if they were of the opinion that this wasn't for them and they couldn't see it out. Maybe the done thing would have been for Harry to have stepped away from duties before he announced his marriage to Megan. Maybe that would have been the way to play it. Harry steps out, they go and get married in a fucking registry office, you know? They get a four-birth caravan at the bottom of Sandringham, and they go there. But what happens, or what seemed to have happened, isn't it, It can be, you know, maybe unkind to look at it this way, but it does look as if they have courted, courted, like it's the fucking 20s, they've gone out with each other, right? They've had a pump, they've enjoyed it, they've got married... They have got married in one of the grandest weddings seen for quite some time since Will and Kate with the world press watching. So there is no doubt in anyone's mind on the planet that after this wedding you do not know who the actress Meghan Markle is. She's now one of the most famous women in the world. They then get married... Which is all paid for... They get taxpayers' money to the tune of... If you believe some newspapers... Two and a half to five million pounds... To do up their house... From what I understand... Two world tours... Setting up a foundation... And then they decide to step back... So I can understand why... Some people uh, have got issues around it. I can understand why some people are, are maybe a bit nose-out-a-joint about the money that's been taken from the public purse to do up a house. But at the same time, I don't think any of us really care. Really care. I think Lizzie, after having she's gone through with fucking the island beast and knew this, I imagine she probably wishes she could just phone the SES and get them all fucking taken out. But maybe that's not in the cards. Unless somebody can organise a, a trip to Paris sometime soon and cut the brakes on a fucking tour bus. But yeah, I don't think the Royal Family is, is finished or close to in any way, shape or form. Um, one thing I did find impressive, I don't know if you saw the clips of them turning up to... Uh, was it Sandringham turning up to whenever they were having the, the crisis talks? The fucking bold Lizzie driving the Land Rover, 98-year-old, fucking rallying in, <laughs> left foot breaking, dropping into the third, and <laughs> the fucking big Range Rover, on your cell, Lizzie Dull, I don't mind the Queen, man, I really don't, I know people bang on about the Royal Family, but I think when it comes to it, I really don't mind her, I really don't mind her. But I do think people will look at the Royals a bit differently once Liz is gone and it's the fucking, it's the next breeder, it's bugger lugs and fucking Camilla. I think once they're sitting on the throne, I think, I think their cards could be numbered by that point, but we'll see, we'll see how it pans out. to hire a car this week and, uh, well, long story short, we need to get a new car, right, and do we need a new, yeah, we do need a new car, we want a new car, right, we want cars. we want a nice car, and I got uh, a BMW 1 Series to drive down for the couple of days I was away, and it's a nice car, man, it's a... very smooth drive, very comfortable drive, but fuck me, small inside, I'm a big guy, right, I, I understand, I'm a big man, right, I'm, I'm broad, I'm an awkward size, right, in shape, I'm a fucking, I'm a big unit, but fuck me, this car was tiny, man, Now we've got a, a, a Mini, right, let's drive a, a mini Cooper, I'm, I'm no lying when I say there was more space inside the Mini, than there was inside this car, this bmw1 series very smooth very comfortable as my grandfather used to say a lovely cockpit <laughs> 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 it's the only time i always sticks in my head anytime i get in a new car the old boy used to go it's got a lovely cockpit inside this car as if he's driving a fucking spitfire nice cockpit son you know everything's easy to reach <laughs> good cockpit good cockpit in this but it did, it had a nice cockpit on it, very comfortable, uh, once you were in it, but fuck me, I had to kind of go in, like, side saddle, I had to go in the fucking car side saddle, I tried to go in normal, like open the door, leg in, sit down, my knee, hit off the steering wheel, and almost pushed my fucking knee, into my chest right, so, I'm crushing my internal organs at this point, so I had to go in side saddle, and then kind of, slip my feet under at an angle and almost dislocate one shoulder so that my shoulders would fit through the frame of the door that way the, the very first time i got in it when i shut the door i actually sat and just looked at the frame of the door as if have i done something like if i just came through the window or if i actually came in the door of a car it was fucking tiny man tiny inside so bmw1 series is out the fucking window there's absolutely no chance that's going to be the car that i buy but, any recommendations on a car? Hey, get in touch, man. Get in touch. I know we caused some controversy before with the coffee machine fucking scandal, but I need something a bit bigger. I'm thinking maybe, definitely not going back to an Audi again. Audi can get in the fucking sea. There's no way. I'd consider getting a Nissan again. A Qashqai or maybe a Navarro. Something a good size. So, if you've got any motors... Uh, that you you like driving and you think that the big man would suit it give a shout man let me know what you think uh, there's a cut of a nice Mercedes out there I'd love to go back to a big truck man I had a Mitsubishi Warrior years ago right and fuck me this thing was a t- I mean it was like it was like driving a yacht it was like driving a fucking boat people would just park people would just move out of the way <coughs> Get the road. Now, I must have had this. Fucking hell, I was still living in Paisley. So, you're talking easily five, ten years ago? No, eight years ago? Ten years ago. Maybe even more that. No. Fucking hell. Let's say, let's say eleven years ago, right? For argument's sake. And you're talking even then, I was doing about £250 in diesel a week this baby could drink, man, oh, she was big, she was a big lassie, right, but she could fucking drink, man, but what a motor, what a motor, so aye, something a good size, something a bit decent, man, I think that's what we need, so if you get any suggestions out there, get in touch, and if you get any questions for the show, any topics you want me to discuss, um, Get in touch. Uh, website is scottgibsoncomedy.co.uk. Sign up to the mailing list. It's the best way to hear about any new material, one off special gigs or tour shows coming up. Facebook, I am Scott Gibson Comedy. Instagram and Twitter, we are at Big Scott Gibson. So please do get in touch. Right, do you know what? And saying that, let's go and do a question. Let's do a listener's question. Okay. Um, Stuart Kyle. Stuart has got in touch on Facebook. Stuart, thank you for contacting. Stuart has asked, as a fellow dog man, dogs sleeping on the bed beside you, or does young Murphy have to sleep on the floor? Stuart, first of all, good question, mate. Good question. And it's something that I feel very, very strongly about. Now, let me just say straight off the bat that the tour manager is not only my dog, he's my baby, he's my boy, right? He's my firstborn, he's the true love of my life, okay? He is currently sleeping behind me as I record this podcast. I've made him a wee bed on the sofa, as I always do. I put a wee jumper underneath his chin because he likes a wee pillow and he goes to sleep. That boy sleeps beside me whenever he wants. Now, if we have a nap during the day, if I I feel I need a wee nap, a wee siesta, I will take my boy in, and him and I will will cuddle in and have a wee sleep in the bed. He does have his own space, his own wee bed next to mine on the floor. Um, but nine times out of ten, we will wake up every morning and he's either on the bed or he's in bed beside us. I have never understood people who don't let their dogs sleep in bed with them or who don't let their dogs up in the sofas, or they don't let them in certain rooms in the house. I've never understood it. I, generally, now, again, you may completely disagree with me, and you might think I'm wrong, but I I do not see the point in having a pet, especially a dog, if you are not going to love that dog unconditionally. And, and part of that unconditional love, I think, is letting the dog... Be on or in your bed with you. That's it. Now, if he's wet or he's minging or he's dirty, fine. But I I don't get it when people stick their dog in a cage overnight or they they keep it in a room. They don't let it out the kitchen or something like. That. I, I've never ever ever understood that. Um. So I think if you've got a dog, and if the dog wants to sleep in the bed beside you, let him sleep in the bed. If he wants to sleep on the bed let him sleep in the bed let him sleep where the dog wants to sleep that's what I think and long may it continue that the two of my two of my loves a cuddle he fucking loves it the only thing that's annoying is sometimes I come into bed and he's asleep on my side and the missus is already in bed asleep and I go to shift him again and he starts fucking growling at me as if to say hey you've missed your chance do you mean no I'm not going to curl up and sleep on his wee mattress some of the fucking noises he makes trying to get into your own bloody bed at night. So yes, Joe, thanks for the question, mate. Uh, the tour manager, a.k.a. Murphy, does sleep in the bed beside me, um, and I, he will continue t- uh, to be allowed to do so as is his want, and I think if you've got a dog, you should let the dog sleep in the bed beside you. Right, you know what? Let's keep on with the questions, man, because we've actually got a quite a few good ones. Elliot Menzies has got in touch on Facebook. Elliot, you have asked a burning question, son, that needs to be addressed. Elliot has asked, don kebab on a pizza. Is that acceptable? Elliot, I am here to tell you that it is acceptable, son. It is acceptable. Now, I cannot tell from the tone of your message if that is what you are hoping to hear. But I can confirm as your commander in chief. Donner kebab on a pizza is acceptable. Not only is it acceptable, I would even go as far to say as it is it's suggestible. As well as acceptable. It's all the apples. Way- I think Donner meat on a pizza is a fucking wonderful combination. And you know what, Ellie? I, I feel that good about it. I'm. I'm even going to raise you one more. I'm going to say this: a Donner calzone. I said it. I said it, Elliot. It's a different. It's a different texture to your Donner, You know, if you have it on a pizza, it might be crispy on top, but in a calzone, Elliot, in a Donner calzone, this is the wrong time to be answering questions about food when I'm hungry. But, Elliot, I would say, completely acceptable. To have a a donor meat pizza, I think it's one of it's one of Scotland's hidden culinary joys, and I would suggest that you you enjoy it. If you do so already, and if you don't, Elliot, treat yourself, mate. Get yourself into the three in one and get a wee Donner meat pizza and fucking indulge, brother. Indulge. Thanks for getting in touch, mate. Um, moving on. Um, Karen. Karen Escape on Facebook. Karen has asked, Because you travel so much and work nights, do you have insomnia or trouble sleeping? I do, Karen. I'm looking for tips to get a better night's sleep. What works for you? Um My I've always had problems. My problem sleeping started when I was about 18 and I started working in nightclubs. So when I was 18 I started working on the doors in Paisley and Vienna. Oh Viennas. I was a bouncer. The happiest wee bouncer in Paisley, eh? I remember a a drunk uh, patron, a woman, coming up to me and saying once, very drunkenly and aggressively, it was Paisley, she went, your eyes are too kind to be a bouncer. I says, thank you, madam. Now, please leave. Um, So, since then, I have had problems sleeping. We would finish work about half three, maybe go home for half four, you end up sitting up to half six, seven, and that's always the thing, even now with gigs, I, even if you're very tired before a gig, or even if you're tired after a gig, the adrenaline that's running through you, keeps you up for hours. So, usually at the weekend, I'll maybe go to bed about two or three in the morning, and a lot of that is just winding down, just watching telly, or Maybe some ideas are in your head, so you're maybe write down a few things, whatever it is. But a lot of that is just trying to wind down. I'm very lucky, Karen, in that I don't have to get up really for anything the next day, you know. If I am working the next day, it tends to be at night. Um, Occasionally, there's times when I need to get up to go to a meeting, or you may have like a bit of telly warm up or something on during the day. But I'm still lucky that I know that it's not really like a 95 kind of office job that I'm doing. So I often think when I see friends or people who are used to go to school with our old colleagues posting stuff on social media at like three in the morning going, you know, insomnia's back and I can't sleep. I do feel bad for people who then have to get themselves together and go and do an eight-hour shift, you know, from nine o'clock in the morning. I think lots of things work for different people. I tend now to just if i can't sleep get up i don't try and fight it anymore in the same way where if my missus goes to her bed and i know i'm not tired i will go in beside go into bed beside her and then i usually just get back up again in half an hour when she's asleep because it, there's no point in me trying to trick my body into it uh i get the sleep that i need um i know that if i have maybe two or three nights where i have a bad sleep um i know i'm going to pick that up eventually just because you learn to kind of you learn to read your own body over time. There's nothing particular that I, that I do um, in order to try and get to sleep. I think a lot of it is maybe just clearing your mind of stuff if you can. Sometimes I find that if I've got a lot of stuff coming up or there's a lot of things happening at one time, my mind can be very busy at night and there can be a lot on my mind. And I find that if I am struggling to get to sleep then just simply sitting at the desk for five, ten minutes and writing through a list of what is in my head, what has to be done, and try and prioritize that so that I know maybe in the next couple of days right I'm gonna tackle this, this and this. That tends to kinda free that sense of worry that's maybe in your mind. Because a lot of the time when you're you're struggling to get your sleep, you just you just can't shut down. You know, you just can't shut down. Um I wish I could say to you that there's something I take or something I drink. I have noticed recently, like, I need to understand more about CBD oil and I need to understand more about weed, man. I really think I need to start smoking weed. <laughs> <laughs> I see all these people, and they talk about the cre- how it helps you creativity and it can just help you relax. And I'm not saying I'm going to become a mad fucking Seth Rogen stoner. I'm, I'm, I need to I need to find out more about CBD oil because that seems to be the big thing you know that everybody's taking. And I think I need to start smoking weed. In fact, I think we all do. Karen, if you're struggling to sleep in and insomnia is an issue, I think we all need to start smoking weed. That's why I think we need to. I remember years ago a mate of mine, Stevie, and uh, his whole thing was he. He had hoped, and I remember when he he told me, I thought, that's a fucking genius idea. He was banking on Scotland becoming independent, as we all were. And he hoped that Scotland would legalise cannabis, right, and legalise marijuana. And his plan was then going to be to go to Gretna and buy a cafe and open up a cannabis cafe in Gretna so that all the English people would come over the border to go and smoke dope and Greta. <laughs> that was a fucking genius idea, mate. But I do, I think I need to get any. I think I need to start smoking some weed, man. Just fucking chill out, you know? I, the last few months, I have been thinking that I would suit a cigar. <laughs> I know that's, honestly, see, when I was younger, I used to always think, when I'm old, like an old man, I want to be like an old man, sitting in a pub, with a big fucking glass of whiskey, and a cigar, what a life, just, no, nothing else, than that, like, I don't know what my backstory is, I don't know if I've got money, I don't know if I've had a life of mystery, just an old, no like a jakey, like an old man, just, you know, well to do, just an old geezer, sitting with a big fat, Whiskey and a fucking cigar on the go. So maybe maybe we need... I'm not a fan of whiskey. Maybe that will come with time. But maybe now in my mid-thirties is the... Maybe this is the right time to start smoking cigars. <laughs> fags just seem dirty. You know, fags look, You want to draw that, mate? Here, you got a fag on you. You, ne- you never hear anybody say, have you got a cigar on you, mate? You never hear that. And if you did, I'd go, oh aye, we've got a fucking, we've got a baller here, you know? Cigarettes are just, they're just dirty, they're just small, we thin, I need, you know, I need them, oh, get it in me, get me nicotine. Whereas a cigars like fucking, you know, a cigar's powerful, there's something powerful about a cigar. You know, there's something devious about a cigarette, devious, sneaky, you know, he's a wee snake, he's a fucking cunt, that guy, you know, that's a cigarette smoker, plotting, plotting nasty wee plans, loads of people all huddled round smoking, fucking sneaky wee bitchy bastards, but cigar smokers. Yes, we made 16 million against the Philippines uh, as the Japanese market opened this morning. You know, it's just power. A cigar says power and a cigarette says weasel. (laughs) I should be in charge of the National Cigar Smoking Society. Cigars say power. Cigarettes say weasel. I don't know why I've gone kind of part of Sean Connery if anybody's going to be the face of the cigar smoking industry it's Sir Sean some people smoke cigarettes but you're all that smoke cigars (laughs) I went to a a hotel in Abu Dhabi when I was out there and uh, it was like a proper five star like a real five star you know you get five star hotels for like us and then you get real five-star hotels for, like, people who are multi-millionaires. It's not like you're going to get into Barhead Travel and go, uh, see that big fancy hotel? They don't even know that hotel exists, right? But we went in for a drink, and they had a cigar bar inside this kind of room. And if you imagine, like, an old-fashioned English, like, library, right? Like, that's what it was like. You're all wooden... Bookcases and a uh, leather, kind of, was it, Winchester chairs or whatever, that high-back leather chair. And just guys sitting, just smoking cigars. And it's all different, all the wooden boxes are, are behind kind of glass panelling, you know. So nothing, no price, no pricing on it. You just sit with a menu, like a cocktail menu. And pick a cigar and then one of the boys in the good dresses goes over and fucking prepares it for you and brings it back on a, on a silver tray. And then you just sit and smoke. Now some of the guys, you know, big shakes, fucking dish dab up. And there's a couple of guys sitting there in shorts and t-shirt. And I remember thinking, how much money must that cunt have sitting in a pair of fucking shorts and t-shirt? Not only has he got enough money to be in that hotel, he's got enough money to be in that cigar bar. He's then got enough money to be sitting kicking a boot with fucking shakes and a pair of shorts and t-shirts smoking a cigar. Now, here's the thing. Turn that on his head. If he's sitting there with a pair of shorts and t-shirts smoking a cigarette, he's a fucking bam. You know? A cigar says a lot about you. I think we need to start smoking cigars. How the fuck did we go into cigars? Talking about insomnia. There you go, Karen. Get a fucking... Start smoking weed and have a cigar before you go to your bed, hen. Here's a tip for for your Uncle Scott. If you're struggling for a good night's kip, have a Hamlet. <laughs> <laughs> right, let's do one more question and then we will fucking move on, man. Uh, we've been talking for that long. It's it's almost pitch black outside. Fuck me. Storm Brendan's moving in. Um, Right, this this question is... It's a... (coughs) Excuse me. It's a huge subject. Huge subject. Difficult question. But one that I'm going to try and challenge. Um, Adam Rodney. Thank you, brother, for first of all having the confidence to come forward... Ask this question and put your name against it. Adam Rodney on Instagram has asked, and it's a question that probably we've all asked ourselves at some point, and if you haven't, you're going to ask it now. Adam has asked, How many toddlers could you leather before they start winning the fight? (laughs) Yes, Adam. The big question's here on the Battlefield Show. How many toddlers could you leather? before they start winning the fight, I love the question, I love it, it's not how many fucking wins could you batter, how many, how many kids could you, it's how many toddlers could you leather, before they start winning, love it, first of all Adam, I'm just going to be honest with you mate, and I'm going to tell you right now, they're never going to win, they're never going to win. There's no point when they start winning, right? There's no point. The only thing that's going to happen is how many toddlers can you get a hodder? Because <laughs> this is a this is an endurance game, right? What we talk? What how how old are we talking for a toddler here? Three to five. Three to five. I think any three to five year old, if you had a strong base. And they get a goal kick to the chops They're done Right They're done They're no You're no Smashing a toddler in the jaw He's taking a bump And then he's coming back at you again They, they of the game Right So it's one clean swipe And they're gone Okay Now if you take it a step further And you go You're tooled up I mean if you're talking Golf club Baseball bat Oh I mean it's endless Just keep swinging <laughs> Just keep swinging Just keep swinging Send them in Send in the toddlers. Now, if they happen to throw in a couple of midgets dressed as children, that's sneaky. That's sneaky, Adam. Alright? That is sneaky. But, on their own toddlers, I think, And if they're coming one at a time, I could do a solid 90 minutes. (laughs) A solid 90 minutes. I just fucking fighting them off, man, probably at that point you need a breather, and e- even if they got the better of you, man, like, would they, are they organised enough, you know, to fucking, to kind of consume you and take you down, and even if, even if they got any, would they go, to they bite you, I mean, what's, what scratch, unless they're tooled up, now that, that puts a different spin on it, you know, if it's, if it's tooled up toddlers... I need to rethink my approach. But Adam, good question, mate. Thanks for asking it. I don't know. What What do you think, Adam? Have you Have you had previous experience of fighting off toddlers? I don't know, mate. But I would say a solid ninety minutes. I'd give it my best. I'd get a good strong base, low center of gravity. Take the jacket off. Make sure I'm loose, and then just keep swinging that fucking hammer. <laughs> Just a sea of wee bodies for a lying <laughs> Oh, fucking hell, man. Adam, great question, mate. Thanks very much for getting in touch. Adam got in touch on Instagram. Uh, Karen uh, got in touch on Facebook, uh, as did Stuart and Stephen Harry Wilson on Instagram as well. Uh, thanks to everybody who got in touch for the questions. As I says, uh before on the show, scottgibbsoncomedy.co.uk is the website, go on there, sign up to the mailing list, if you haven't already, follow on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter, Facebook is Scott Gibson Comedy, Instagram and Twitter is, at Big Scott Gibson, and wherever you listen to this podcast, podcast, fucking hell, man, oh I'm getting tired, Whatever you listen to this podcast, make sure you subscribe, and share it, try and grow the numbers man, let's get the Battlefield Army going, we are on, Spotify, Apple Podcast, SoundCloud, Acast, Stitcher, TuneIn and iHeartRadio. So no excuses, subscribe and share it. If you can, if you can be asked so you get time, leave a review um, and let's build the army. Uh, Thanks very much indeed for your questions everybody. Right, let's do some news man. Play the jingle! Day's headlines Man suffers three-day erection Koala bear tricks reporter And burglar sucks toes Well As always, at a time when the world is potentially in crisis, it's either on fire, planes are being shot down from the air, generals have been blown up thousands of miles away, and the royal family is uh, in crisis. The good people at the Metro keep the integrity of journalists in this country, true and straight, by reporting on the massive news stories that are out there. And let's just jump straight in at the very first news story. Man suffers three-day erection. Um, As always, all of these uh, news stories are available on metro.co.uk, uh, should you choose to... Read further into them. This is from Emma Brazel. Emma um, is is not a new name to us. We have we have read some of her wonderful stories before. <laughs> Fuck. I just think wh- you would just quit, wouldn't you? You would just fucking quit. I mean, the the you're not a journalist, right? You're not a journalist if you are working for a free paper, right? And you are, you are... somebody said to sit at a computer and type this. You know? What is it you're, you're working on today? Well, it turns out that the, the, the Iranians have, have confirmed that they actually shot that passenger plane down from Ukraine. Oh, my God. Yeah, so I better get back to the story. What is it you're working on, Emma? Uh, a man has taken uh, a bull supplement that's given him an erection for three days. Get the fuck out of this office. Headline reads, man suffers 3D erection after taking stimulant used for breeding bulls. (laughs) Fuck me. The joke's right on himself. Let's see how many puns we have got in the first line. A man from Mexico. Stop the bus. Stop the bus. Of course it's Mexico. What is it with all these mad fucking South American countries? Have they not got Netflix? they get fucking Narcos, for God's sake. Sit and watch Narcos. A historical documentary about your people. From your people. A man from Mexico was reportedly left with a three-day erection after taking a sexual stimulant used for breeding bulls. What a fucking nutter. The individual who has not been named, obviously, received urgent surgery at a specialist hospital. A specialist hospital? What, a dick hospital? Or a bull hospital? Is it a vet? Is a specialist hospital a vet? Has he been rushed to a vet? <laughs> Why you going to eat a vet? Because the thing is, whenever you go to a vet, they ask you your name, but they also ask the pet's name. I mean, is he had to name his Bobby? Your name, Miguel, and your cock, uh, Miguel Junior. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Rushed to a specialist hospital uh, in Reynosa, uh, where his condition became persistent. Persistent. Um, He said to have taken the drugs after planning to have sex with a woman 30. I mean, straight away, we don't need know her age, right? We don't need know her age, okay? It's not as if he's going to say, look, I was planning to shag a woman, she's 86 years old. Okay, maybe that's why he was taking the stimulant, you know? I don't know, maybe there was a debt to be paid. He had to go and see this woman, and she's like, how much do I owe you? You fucking need to rattle me. I beg your pardon, you heard... You need to rattle me, and he went, I can't, you're 86, it's fucking rotten, and she's went, take two of the tablets, fucking, off you go, maybe she said, take one of the blue pills, and he's thought, she went, take one of the bull pills, it's an easy mistake to make, he's taken a bull tablet, and he's got a fucking Roger for three days, apparently was going to have sex with a woman, age 30, <laughs> This is when you know it's bullshit. When people go into that level of detail, when it's a sexual injury, you know it's bullshit. It's like when you always ask nurses when what's the weirdest thing you've put out a guy's ass?" One, it's always men because men are weird. And you hear people putting like, bottles of tomato sauce up their ass. Why? Just buy a dildo. Right? Don't be ashamed. This is the problem with, with people with how we look at sex in this country. Don't be ashamed of it, man. If you like to put things up your bum, Put hangs up your bum? I don't know if I suppose coming to this. <laughs> don't worry about it. Don't be sticking bottles of fucking sauce up your asshole when there are actual things designed to go up your bum. All right. It says taken the drugs after to have taken drugs after he was planning of sex with a woman Doctors told uh, Peruvian newspaper La Republique he had taken a sexual stimulant which he bought in v- Vacaraz used by farmers in that region to invigorate bulls for insemination you fucking mad bastard the man travelled to Vácaraz in eastern Mexico to purchase the stimulant used by farmers in that region to... <laughs> um, there have been no updates on his condition following the surgery what would it have been surgery? what did it hit him? they fucking cut his balls off Can you drain it? Is it like a cauliflower ear? (laughs) Can you you drain a hard on? Oh. In September, a man from Bristol revealed he had a painful erection for 36 hours after coming off painkillers. What kind of fucking painkillers are you coming off, mate? Elliot Rossiter, 41, became addicted to the painkiller codeine after he was prescribed him his medication... He had to have surgery after he got an erection that would not go away on a trip to France in October 2016. He explained it wasn't sexual in any way at all, and I wasn't feeling aroused. Fucking bullshit. Well, let's hope this unnamed man who's taking some bull stimulants fucking... It's alright. Good luck to you, brother. You know? Good luck to you. Um second news story you may have seen this uh, if you've not seen the video you should you should go and look at it it's on Twitter and it's on Instagram it's a, it's a female reporter out in Australia and she is handed a koala bear right because obviously you know Australia's on fire and koala bears have literally been burnt alive it's fucking horrific and they told her that she was going to be holding a, what's called a drop bear which I don't believe is even a real thing and they made her basically wear protective clothing like this body armour suit, mask, gloves, fucking biker boots. Um, before they gave her a koala bear. And she thought she was being handed some deadly thing that turns out it was a cuddly koala, right? Now, I don't know. One, it was a laugh, yes. But I don't know if these guys have got like, some fetish for somebody dressed up as a forgotten paintball. But, again, partly this is news. Um, ITV news reporter tricked into wearing body armour to hold a koala. Eh? What a fucking trick. A British ITV reporter fell for a classic Aussie prank when she donned body armour to hold a koala. Debbie Edwards was told the animal was a drop bear, a dangerous predator which plunges from trees to land on humans and attack them with its venomous teeth. Tourists have fallen for versions of this for decades, but Debbie 40 had never heard of the ruse. The ITV News Asia correspondent got dressed up in protective boots and safety goggles to take hold of the bear. She panicked while holding it, asking for someone to take it away from her. Carers told her they might have to subdue it with a dart gun as it was preparing to attack her. But when they took it off her and cuddled it without wearing any protective gear, she realised she had been tricked. And this is the bit that got me. At the end of the video, Debbie replies with, Fucking Aussies. (laughs) Now, <laughs> I don't know if that's an appropriate way to respond. Fucking Aussies. That sounds pretty, I mean, if that was any other nationality or group of people, she'd be in bother, which you know. I remember when I heard that in the video, I went, "She fucking real, Debbie. rain it in here. tell us what you really think. She's like, fucking Aussies. Oh. apparently drop bear's a real thing apparently they're a close cousin to the koala who, who knew Debbie was covering the devastation caused by bushfires on Kangaroo Island off the south coast of Australia I mean if you're a news reporter and you've been covering the devastation in Australia you would know what a fucking koala looks like surely you also maybe don't respond at the end of a news item with the words fucking Aussies Fair play to you, Debbie. You've obviously been battling your racism with the Aussies for some time, and that was just a push over the edge. Right, final news piece. Um, I don't know if this is true. Um, If it is true... This is fucked up, man. But it's um, by Jen Mills, another wonderful journalist, and the headline is as follows. Man wakes up to find burglar sucking his toes. I mean... That's like something that I fucking what was that thing that the BBC show detective oh my god what's his name i will come back to me it'll come back to me anyway the article reads a man has been traumatised obviously obviously even if you I'm not a feet person right I've never been a foot person I don't really understand people who like feet but again each to their fucking own if you like feet, and you've got someone with feet, who likes you, liking their feet, fucking play on, who cares? It's no weird. It's no weird. Nothing's weird. Do what you want. All I'm saying is, even if you were a foot person, right, even if you enjoyed your toes getting sucked, if you woke up in the middle of the night with a stranger sucking on your toes, you'd be traumatised. A man has been traumatised after waking up in the middle of the night to find a burglar sucking his toes. Fuck me. If this is in this country... what's well it's gone to shit. The Victim 20... Oh, he's just a wen. You're never sleeping again. You're never sleeping again. The Victim 20 told the intruder that he didn't have any money. <laughs> You wake up in some cunt's at the bottom of your bed, <coughs> sucking your toes, the first thing you say is, I've not got any money! That's not the first thing you say. That is not the first thing you say. That's why you should always wear socks to bed. I know people go, You need to let your feet breathe, you've got to let the air get to them. What if somebody breaks in and sucks my toes, bro? <laughs> Somebody's sucking your toes, you go, I've not got any money. What? This is the, I fucking, I smell a rat. The victim 20 told the intruder that he didn't have any money, but the man responded that he didn't want cash. He just wanted to suck toes. (laughs) Fucking legend. I don't want your money. I just want to suck toes. They began to fight. Of course, you would. First of all, you offer money like a gentleman. And then a duel. With the suspect claiming he would pull a gun from his pants and grabbing his genitals as if to do so. This has taken a twist. Thankfully he did not pull out a gun and the victim managed to push him outside. He could have just led him by his toes. Just dangle your feet in front of him. He'd have fucking followed you out like the pied piper. After leaving the man smashed the victim's car windscreen and then fled. Right, let's get this right. Guys woke up to a stranger sucking his toes. He then offers him money. He says, I don't want money. I want to suck your toes. Then there's a scuffle. He grabs his cock, pretending it's a gun. Thankfully, it's not a gun. He somehow gets him outside and then the toe sucker smashes his car window and runs off. I'm going to say this is two guys that have had a pump and have fallen out. That's what I'm going to say. Right? Fucking Poirot sitting here. Police were called to a scene in Bradenton, Florida, I give up, I give up, of course it's America, of course it's America, and of course it's Florida, cunts need to start getting put down, I know, I know, I'm just being daft now, right, it's 2020, see if the police are having to be called out because somebody broke into your house to suck your toes, you and the fucking toe sucker need to get put down, It says here the, the police. Uh, this was in Christmas Eve, and they brought dogs into the home to track down the foot fetishist. However, they have not yet made any arrests. They took swabs of DNA from between the victim's toes. Oh, get the fuck! But they have not yet come with any matches in the database. What is it—a toe sucking database? No similar cases have yet to be reported. <laughs> the two suckers got underground this is like the fucking zodiac killer all over again isn't it well there you go team another fucking exciting episode eh and that was your weird and wonderful news stories from the incredible um, journalist outpost at the metro man suffers three d erection after taking bull pill not blue pill ITV racist news correspondent fucking Aussies tricked into holding a koala bear and a toe fetishist breaks in sucks toes denies money uses a cock gun and escapes the police fuck me right team that's us episode 14 in the bag thank you to everybody who got in touch fucking good questions man some of them made me laugh when I was reading them out thank you for listening once again, go over the old housekeeping. Let's get the dates up here. The White Noise Tour kicks off again at the end of January. January 25th, East Kilbride Arts Centre. February 7th, Barfield Theatre in Largs. February 23rd, Webster's Theatre in Abroath. After that, we're hitting Musselburgh, Cambridge, Uddingston, Callern, Newton Abbey in Northern Ireland, Livingston, Dunoon, and there's going to be another couple of gigs getting added in there as well. So go to the website, scottgibsoncommon.co.uk, check out all the dates, get your tickets, sign up to the mailing list, subscribe to the podcast, and if you can, share it on your social medias, share it with friends and family. Let's build the Battlefield Army. Take care of yourselves. I will see you on a Battlefield soon. Onwards.